This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How long is our flight? I think it's about four hours. It's three hours and 52 minutes. Okay, next stop, then one. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of letting people participate in all parts of their jobs. Then, in Take a Hike, I'll discuss my recent revelation that I'm not who I thought I was, and maybe you aren't either. In Take Two, we'll share what listeners thought of our pandemic-scripted podcast idea, and this week's Hollywood hack will light up your space in style. Yes. But first, Sarah, we got another great example of how one of our listeners put take the room to use. Yes. You talked about how when you move into your new house, you're going to take the room. You're going to make the guest room your office because all of this working from home requires that people have space. So this comes from Julia. She says, a little late, but my version of take the room. We have a tiny spare room. It couldn't fit much more than a full bed. I decided to make it a yoga room when we moved in. We put up two shelves for candles and little things that are special to me. Otherwise, it is empty. It has become a room version of Gretchen's empty shelf. It's a place I go whenever I need space to do something. Yoga, meditate, wrap gifts, train the puppy. My husband uses it as a stretching space. It is calming and peaceful. Since there are no surfaces to gather stuff, it never gets cluttered. We often find ourselves in there playing with our pets. I never could have guessed that an empty room would mean so much to me. I love this. What a great idea. It's a poetry almost. It's like room poetry. It is. It reminded me of my mom built her house in Minnesota years ago. And I remember the first time I walked in, it was empty. Mm. And it was so wonderful. And then our Mm -hmm. spaces get all cluttered with stuff, 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 stuff. But I always look back at that one time when I walked in to this empty house and it felt so great. So now I'm inspired. Somehow I have to find an an empty room somewhere. Oh, goodness. (laughs) That's going to be tough. Yes. (laughs) So thank you, Julia, for that. Okay, Sarah, let's dive into From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. This week, it's the importance of letting people do all parts of their jobs. Now, we need to give this some context. Right, yes. So we have talked about how, as TV writers, we are also producers. We write, we 
work with everyone in every department from casting to music to production to set design to editing all of it we have a role in right yes but ideally it's not just us it's everyone on our writing staff who are also producers and or learning the skills of being a producer. Yes. I should mention, Sarah, when you and I were staff writers, which for anyone who doesn't know is sort of the lowest rung on the writer level in television, we were very lucky to work for people who gave us the opportunity to do all these things. We sat in casting sessions. We went to prop meetings. We were on set usually for every single second of our episodes. We sat in late night editing sessions. We went to mixing. We did all of these things, which feels like it's become less and less common. It feels like more and more showrunners are doing all of that and writers are just in the writer's room. Mm -hmm. And the problem with that is then as they move up the ladder and get shows of their own, they haven't had this practical production experience. And it can really slap you in the face if you've never done this stuff on many levels. One, it's overwhelming. Two, people don't take you seriously. Three, you don't know what certain things mean. And so we want to pass along that good turn that we got when we were in that position. Yeah, because it made a huge difference in our careers. When we got our first show, we actually knew how to run it. Yes. And we also got paired with the wonderful Scott Gemmell to run that show, (laughs) which was nice. Would we have gotten paired with anyone if we were men? Probably not, but at least it was Scott Gemmell, so it was okay. Who we love. Who we love. But the point is, we were ready. We were ready to be running shows because we had gotten all that training, and we want to make sure people we work with are also getting it. But it's very hard in in a pandemic when everything is Zoomy. It's a much harder thing to do. Yes. Like if you're in person, it's easy to say, oh, make sure you come to all the meetings if all these meetings are in person. When they're on Zoom, for some reason, it just feels like, ugh, why bother having people there? I think it just feels so anemic Like or torture? <laughs> yes. And a lot of times... It's easier in a way for us to just do it ourselves because we know what we want and we do have final say. So then we don't have to go through the process like of somebody saying, oh, what do you think about this? And us approving it or not approving it or asking for options. Yeah. But that is not fair to others. And ultimately, Sarah, it's not good for us because the ultimate goal is that everyone on the show can do all of these things. And as they rise, they'll do them at Fantasy Island. Hopefully we'll be on the air for a long time. And then they'll go off and do them other places. Right. So, but while they're on Fantasy Island, it behooves us to have everybody doing as much as possible because then- (laughs) When we don't have to do it. Yes, (laughs) exactly. In a nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell. So, you know, when we were thinking about this, it's something that I think people, as you said, mean to do. Showrunners have the uh, intention to do, but just don't follow through based on being overwhelmed and, and just not being top of mind. So I do think advice for everybody out there who is lower level on a show, or even if you're upper level, but you haven't, for whatever reason, been able to do these things, right. is to express whoever is in charge to say, I really want to be included in these things. Can I be included? And hopefully the answer will be yes. And you may have to call the line producer and say, hey, 
so-and-so said it was fine for me to be in on all these meetings. Please just make sure I'm included or something like that. Yeah. But it should be doable. It should. And we have charged Lauren, our wonderful assistant, with making sure that the writers of each episode are included in all of these because so many emails and chains and threads and this and that. And we don't always look and see who's on it. So Lauren will be helping with that. And it's certainly our intention. So we're putting it out there. Again, we talk about everything in terms of TV, our little place in the world. But I mean, I think this has got to be true in many jobs have multiple facets and it's easy to sort of put somebody in one corner and have them do something that you know they do well. But it really mm-hmm. is necessary to let people do all parts of their jobs so that they're learning. Because the other thing is when the learning curve goes away, people get bored. Right. And you don't want people being bored when they're working with you. You want to keep everybody, us included, learning new skills. That's one reason I love Fantasy Island, Sarah, because I feel (laughs) like we are learning so much every day because, you know, it's our first lean budget show that we're in charge of. And you want everybody to have that feeling of expansion and learning. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I'm interested to hear if listeners have had this experience of either being able to be do all parts of their jobs or feeling stymied when they want to do all parts of their jobs and what that is. Always love hearing about other people's work experiences. So email us or leave us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. And coming up, Liz, we're going to talk about how your new pets are changing your perspective. But first, this break. Okay, it's time for Take a Hike, in which we discuss physical, mental, and spiritual health. Today, it's all three. Yes, although if I had to pick one, Sarah, I would say spiritual, which is unlike me, because you know I'm not about being spiritual, but it is a bit spiritual. So here's the Take a Hike notion, which is consider you're not who you think you are. Mm. And this comes to me out of my new status as a puppy person, a dog person. (laughs) So for anyone who doesn't know, my family got a puppy in October, Nacho, a corgi. And newsflash, Sarah, we got another corgi, Daisy, this week. (laughs) Another puppy. So we're now a two-corgi family. Yes, I think Violet and I have been as excited about you getting Daisy as you and Jack and Adam have been. We have been holding our breath every day. Violet was like, when is Daisy coming? Is Daisy coming? Is Daisy there? Send a video. (laughs) We're all so thrilled. Yeah, so and she's here and she's wonderful and adorable and it's great. Of course, it's a lot. But what I've really been thinking a lot about, and I think I've even mentioned it on the podcast, but I just... kind of bears, I think, more thought, which is that I've always identified as someone who was not interested in pets. Right. I never wanted a dog. I didn't want cats. I had cats, but that's because my husband had them when we met. Never wanted a turtle, a goldfish, none of it. Now, we had a dog growing up, and I loved our dog, but the idea of having a dog and having to get home and having to clean up after them and take them to the vet and all of that was absolutely not appealing to me. And I've never been someone who stops and pets dogs at the park. I mean, you know this. You've seen it. Yes, you've experienced absolutely. it. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a pet person. 
You're tolerant. You're pet tolerant, okay. I would say. You're not pet averse. I mean, that there's a big difference between pet averse and pet tolerant. True. That's you're true. You're definitely tolerant. But since getting Nacho and now Daisy, I am a pet person. I yeah. love my pets. I love having dog, now dogs. I like playing <laughs> with them. I like walking them. I feel a weird sense of freedom now in identifying as a dog person because it makes me feel liberated from the box of who am I. It makes me feel like I don't know what else I might do. If this is happening, maybe I'll cook. Maybe (laughs) I'll travel the world with a backpack. Anything (laughs) could happen. And it is a very liberating feeling. It's exciting. I'm trying to imagine you traveling the world with a backpack, but you don't you're a dog know, person. Sarah. You don't know. You and Daisy and Nacho <laughs> That's right. could just take off on the <laughs> the Blue Ridge Mountains. Just you, just go, Liz. Yes, I support you don't this. Know. You don't. You have know. to do a podcast about it, though. Yes, of course I would. <laughs> well, have you had this feeling of not being who you thought you were? You know, I've been thinking about it. Not to the degree that you have. I feel like this is a real revelation, Mm -hmm. but I did always think of myself as a quiet person and as a shy person Mm -hmm. growing up and even after college. But then I picked this job where you have to talk basically for your living in a writer's room (laughs) and express ideas and engage constantly and you really can't be quiet. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that would be my experience of that is that I went, oh, wait a minute. I that's something that I've kind of put on, but it's not necessarily true about who I am. It was hard, though. Like, I don't know Mm. if you remember when on our first job, I would just be bright red all the time because it was hard for me to speak up. Well, and you'll remember, even though I'm more talkative than you, I mean, in general, I, my voice sometimes would be like a squeak because I was so intimidated. So one thing I think about this with you, Sarah, is, and I know you're not a practicing vegan at the moment, but when you became a vegan, it's like, oh my gosh, Sarah is a vegan. (laughs) Who knew? I didn't know Sarah was a vegan, but there you were being a vegan. And it was like a new identity And you totally embraced it. And it was like, of course, Sarah's a vegan. Now we just take this as a given. And that's what I like that having these different identities and being able to embrace something new, I just find it exhilarating. Yes, it is. It's it's pretty amazing. And I hope to be a vegan again someday. That is definitely (laughs) on my agenda. When things calm down, yes, have a little more energy to put into that kind yes. of thing. When you have time for a new identity, you will once again embrace that. That is the first one I will adopt, yes. So I've just been thinking, we have these ideas about ourselves that are so set in stone, and the ideas really just might be bullshit. And yeah. allowing this change in self-perception can just let you grow and find out new wonderful facets of life. So that's why it's spiritual to me. Yes. And I would love to hear from our listeners on this topic. If you are experiencing this, if you have experienced this recently, if this is something you want to experience, let us know what identity you have adopted or shed. Yes. I am dying to read about that. You can email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. 
Okay, Sarah, it's time for take two in which we revisit a topic we discussed in a prior episode. And you and I asked listeners whether they thought that our idea for a scripted podcast about a pandemic, not this pandemic, but another (laughs) pandemic, would be appealing for people to listen to or if we should just completely trash it, basically, because nobody's ever going to want to hear anything about a pandemic again. Right. And we should say that this is a scripted podcast that we started before (laughs) the pandemic Yes, that we had written a couple episodes of and arced out a season. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then an actual pandemic struck. We have really bad timing. Aside from being busy, we've just been feeling very like, well, gosh, is this worth working on? Just gave us quite a bit of inertia. Yes. So it was interesting because it seems like it was a fairly even split about who has no interest and who's maybe even more interested in stuff about pandemics now. And we thought we'd just read a few responses that are fun. Yeah. So if we looked at them cumulatively, there were a lot of very enthusiastic yeses, which I have to tell you, I was surprised by. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought everyone would just be like, no, thank you. But then Peggy said, we'll be honest, I'm not sure. I love Liz and Sarah, but I don't know if I could while living through one, which I mean, I get it. And then Michelle said, I heard them mention it and was like, release the tapes. I'm also a firm believer that your work will find its audience, which is a very good point. Yes, yes, that is true. And then Jenny said, no, thanks. Looking for feel good stuff right now. And Jenny, I have to tell you, we have a show for you. It's called Fantasy Island on Fox, and you can find it on Hulu right now. (laughs) Yes. Michelle, I very much appreciated, said she would listen to us read the phone book, although I think she would find that quite boring, especially with my monotone voice. And Janice agrees with Jenny. She said, hmm, not sure. Too close to home. And Don said, nope, I am looking for stuff to get my mind off the plague I am living through. I hear that. Shannon said, I would love to listen to any fiction podcast that Sarah and Liz write. There really aren't that many fiction podcasts out there, and a majority of them are about serial killers, which I have no interest in. Yes, this is not that. I thought this was interesting. Christine said, I would be interested in a show that is about people who have learned how to carry on despite a pandemic slash endemic, where the new normal is the setting, but not the source of the drama. It would satisfy my need to know we can get on the other side of this. That's a great idea, by the way. For someone who's listening. Yes. (laughs) Who is a writer. That's a really good idea. And then Olivia said the answer is a big no. Please, no more plague, COVID pandemic content. (laughs) Then we got a response from Sarah from Kansas City, our hometown. She says, if a story is compelling and engaging, I would always listen. Plus, Sarah, I appreciate that Sarah likes anything we do because she's invested because she knows the behind the scenes. Nice. And then we heard from Kayla. She said that she assumes that our fiction podcast dealing with the pandemic would be geared toward adults, and she, for one, would listen to it. But interestingly, she said she works in YA, and agents and editors are all saying no to pandemic stories right now, which makes sense. Yes. That's a little, again, behind the scenes of what's happening in publishing. But then you have to look at the success of Station Eleven, which Kayla brought up, which is huge, and people are absolutely loving that show. So there is no hard and fast rule. And that goes to the idea, Sarah, you and I have learned time and time again, you cannot game the system. 
You have to do your work and it's either going to land or it's not. And it's really hard to predict what will and will not land. So really, you and I should just do what we want to do and not try to gauge whether it's a good idea or a bad idea because it's about a pandemic. But, you know, again, that's a lesson we usually need to learn at least once every six months. Yes. And we <laughs> we could just line up the half of the emails that say, yes, do it, and just read those over and over again. Like Barbara exactly. said, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, okay, I'll just, yes. just pay attention to Barbara. <laughs> yes. All right. Coming up, this week's Hollywood hack is going to make your work from home space or any space look amazing. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack. You were doing an interview, and the person in the background had something fabulous that we are now going to totally copy. Yes, she had a custom (laughs) personalized LED sign. And I asked her about it because I've noticed several people have these. They've started popping up in different places. So just the way people have neon signs made for outside of a restaurant, for instance, this is a personalized LED sign. It looks a lot like a neon sign, like you could have a bright green light and it's cursive lettering and you can have it say whatever you want. But neon signs are really expensive and doing an LED light sign is much cheaper. It's more like $200 Maybe if it's really big, 500 but you can sort of determine the price, whereas getting a neon sign made is a big investment. Yeah. So I was thinking someday, you know, I want to have a perfect wall behind me for all of my Zooming and podcasting. And I was thinking, of course, and I would love to have an LED sign that said it's a fun job and I enjoy it hanging over my head. Nice. I love this idea. Now, as you recall, I had the last signs made. Which are wonderful. It's a fun job and I enjoy it. Very low tech, however. They're like wood signs. And I love it, but I would also (laughs) like one that lights up. A little flashier. Yes. 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 We looked it up and there's a lot of places that make these. If you look on Etsy, there's tons. Just Google it. We found one called the Neon Studio that we'll link to in the show notes for anybody who just wants to see what we're talking about. Well, I, for one, can't wait for your fabulous background, Liz. Same here. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We'd love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, king of remote recording. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfame and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it.
Liz, did you see, you know, we always talk about how great our Facebook group is. Did you see on our Facebook group, somebody asked about the HPV vaccine? They were talking, they were trying to figure out if they wanted their son to get it. And and a pediatrician who's studied the HPV vaccine is in our Facebook group and was like, this is all the information you need. Oh, I was like, this is amazing. I know. I love our Facebook group. It's <laughs> the place to go. From the Onward Project.